What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome into the show, everybody. My name is Mark Farzetta. This is the Farzy Show presented by Stephen Singer of Stephen Singer Jewelers. So much to get to, including today's guest who broke it down in a way that made an idiot like me understand. I I, I feel bad for Quentin Michael in a way, and I appreciate him jumping on the show, but I needed to talk to a, a defensive uh, mastermind in his own right about what the hell happened in that second half of the Super Bowl with this Eagles defense, how much the field mattered, obviously how much the scheme mattered. So I talked to my man, Quentin Michael. I hope to talk to Hollis Thomas tomorrow about that pass rush in particular. But Quentin Michael broke it down as far as what the secondary was doing. And this is the best way I can describe it. We're going to end the show with the interview because it's such a beautiful interview. I want to give it its full time. Oh, my goodness. He broke it down in a way that – basically didn't hint at, but told the story of the Eagles. You're not going to believe this. Over-preparing. They did something in the Super Bowl that they really did not do throughout the entire season. Now, some of this might sound good. They did it because of their opponent. They game-planned for their opponent. In a way to stop their opponent, they tried to do this one thing. But unfortunately, this one thing is something... They didn't do all year. So it was almost as if they overextended themselves. Instead of playing to their own strengths, they played into the hands of the opponent. Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy went, oh, okay, that's what they're doing. We got this. No problem. And Quentin Michael breaks it down, and that's not just a, a one-time thing. There's two things in particular he gets into in this interview that if maybe the Eagles didn't go this route, maybe they would be going down Broad Street right now, or up Broad Street, down the parkway, up the Army Museum steps, and we're all celebrating today. Maybe that's what would happen. But Quentin uh, did a phenomenal job of uh, uh, <clears throat> breaking it down for the average Joe at home of what needed to happen. And I kept on trying to clarify because I didn't want to misread what he was saying and then after the interview or later this week go back to reference or even tease like I just did the interview, uh, reference the interview, whatever it might be, and say to uh, and, and misquote him or or lead people to believe something that he didn't say. So I was very diligent in trying to clarify what he was saying. So we get into that. We, he also makes a suggestion for the defensive coordinator that should come and take over for Jonathan Gannon. So we'll talk to him. And he answers the question whether or not they're knocking on his door uh, for a little defensive coordinator, or at least defensive coach uh, position. 
with the Eagles. So we'll get into that. Jonathan Gannon did get the job in Arizona. Jonathan Gannon met Kyler Murray. I have for you the footage of JG meeting his new quarterback in Arizona. I also have courtesy of John Clark, who clipped this from the uh, from the press conference in Indianapolis. Shane Steichen get in, getting introduced as a, as the Colts head coach, and it was emotional. It was a beautiful thing. Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy I don't care about. And now, over the last two weeks, I've had to care about him. Whether it was talking about cheesesteaks and how you can't get good cheesesteaks in Philadelphia, the best cheesesteaks aren't even in Philadelphia, or it's now breaking the stones of James Bradbury, a guy that should have been a pro bowler this year. And his teammate, A.J. Brown, coming his defense. But now we have to talk about Juju Smith-Schuster. So uh, we will do that on today's program. we got some Sixers conversation to get into. Celtics-Bucks had a huge game last night. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll get to it all on today's program. Uh, let's start it off with a tearful goodbye from uh, Shane Steichen, who was introduced as the Colts head coach yesterday. And had this to say, I have never seen this before. I have seen new head coaches thank their previous organization for the opportunity. I've seen them say that they wouldn't be here before. I've never seen a guy name his roster and thank each individual player. Shane Steichen getting the gig with the Colts yesterday. I'd like to thank you to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Zach Paschal, Dallas Goddard. Jack Stoll, Grant Calcaterra, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, Jordan Malata, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, Isaac Suamala, Lane Johnson, Ian Book, Gardner Minshew, and last but not least, Jalen Hurts. Thank you to each and every single one of you guys. I would not be sitting here today if it wasn't for you. It's all about the players, and it'll always be about the players. And I will be forever grateful for you guys, and I wish you guys all the best going forward. That is a beautiful thing. And if you don't think that there was something special this year in this Eagles locker room, and I know you can all just look at the 14 and three season, all the records, all you need to know. Something needs to go on that locker room for things to click at any point in the season. And it seemed like it was clicking all season long. Jalen Hurts talked about him yesterday during the saddest day of the year when you see the Eagles players cleaning out their lockers. But Jalen Hurts took the time to talk about his former offensive coordinator, not just as a play caller, but as a leader and how he's going to be missed in that locker room, how he's going to be missed in those meeting rooms as well, and how he's going to be missed on game days. So that, to me, tells you that this guy connected. Just like we talk about with Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, very similar. Talking about Nick Sirianni, he's an emotional guy. There's Shane Steichen getting teary-eyed talking about his players here in Philadelphia that he leaves behind as he goes and pursues his dream. Uh, I really liked Shane Steichen when he was here. Not every offensive coordinator, when they take the job under an offensive head coach, is either prepared or expecting to take over play-calling responsibilities. Usually that's going to be the job of the head coach as an offensive-minded head coach. Nick Sirianni wanted to play more of that CEO role and made sure that Shane Steichen uh, had the play-calling. Nick Sirianni said, there's a little too much on my plate. Shane, you're going to do this. Shane did it. Deep uh, Offense took off and certainly took off this year, and Jalen Hurts has done nothing but improve under Shane Steichen as an offensive coordinator. And I know a lot of teams around the NFL are going to look at that and say, oh, my goodness, if this is what he can do with that offense, he can bring along a guy like Jalen Hurts. But, by the way, I, all the credit in the world to Jalen Hurts. I give a lot of credit to Shane Steichen for not getting in the way of that. And whatever he was doing, it, could, it looked like it was only helping Jalen Hurts. So a lot of people are hoping that they can look at what, the, what he did here in Philadelphia and improve what he did with their organization. And that's what the Colts are calling on him to do right now. On the other side of that, Jonathan Gannon got the gig. Now, let me just set the scene for you. 
yesterday, I had the uh, I had the great privilege of going out and having lunch with our friend Thomas Peterson, who was in Philadelphia all the way from Denmark. You know, Thomas, he's been on the show. He breaks down the Eagles uh, in a phenomenal way, keeps you up to date on all these stats, play breakdowns and all that stuff on Twitter. We've had him on the show a number of times. Easily friend of the show. Friend of mine, I can say. Uh, I went out with him yesterday for lunch while he was in town. Uh, Vince Quinn, friend of mine from my old WIP days. Uh, he knows Thomas as well. The three of us got together, had lunch in Center City. We went around a little bit. It was great. And let me tell you this. We're all talking football. We're all talking Eagles, talking about the city, talking about the states, talking about Denmark. Not that I know anything about Denmark, but now I do. Um, but uh, we're having this great conversation. And, we're, you know, we all got our phones out. And all of a sudden, it comes out. Jonathan Gannon hired. Finalizing the deal was the terminology, I think, by Adam Schefter there. Finalizing the deal for Jonathan Gannon to become the head coach of the Cardinals. Thomas looks at his phone and he goes, uh, oh, my goodness. Wow. And then as he's on his phone, he keeps scrolls a little bit. And he's like, wait, guys, look at this play. We go right from the Gannon conversation back to trying to break down the secondary of the Philadelphia Eagles in the second half of that Super Bowl. And also the field. And Thomas is on his phone. We're walking to, like, the next spot we're hitting. And Thomas is like, oh, no, no, check this out. Check this out. Guys, 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 guys. And then, like, he's pointing out plays on his phone. We walked maybe from 19th in Spring Garden. 19th in Spring Garden to 17th in Chestnut. And I think he must have shown us at least five different plays. It just in that walk. Guys, look. I'm telling you this because the man is obsessed with football. Loves the game. So the next time we have him on, just keep that in mind. And I know that it comes through very much on uh, Twitter and social media. But just to be there and walking with him as he was going through all those different plays, it was incredible. It was really wild. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's nuts. They couldn't keep their footing. It's nuts. They decided to blitz in that goal line situation. Or, or not goal line situation, but that um, – uh, what, third and goal from the uh, five. That's where they decide to blitz, you know, that type of thing. Um, yeah, he uh, really loves breaking it down, man. Really, really loves the game. Um, so yesterday we we see the news about Jonathan Gannon come up. And I thought, uh, I, I don't know who comes in next. I don't know that the guy is going to take over. I want it to be somebody who's established. I, of course, want it to be somebody that is going to be more aggressive than what we saw from Jonathan Gannon. I don't want somebody that is going to always rely only on his front four, uh, maybe sending five to get after the quarterback to cause pressure, cause turnovers, whatever it might be. Somebody to break up the monotony of what you're doing uh, with only a four-man rush or maybe at times five. I need somebody. I think we all need somebody. That's going to be able to dial it up in a crafty, exotic, disguised way to get after the quarterback. My man Derek Gunn threw out yesterday on Jacob Media that if he sees Lovey Smith get the Eagles defensive coordinator job, he will, quote, be tap dancing in the streets if the Eagles somehow hired Lovey Smith. Spoiler alert, uh, Quentin Michael also mentions Lovey Smith. If Lovey Smith becomes the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm a happy man. If he only has to concentrate on kind of running the defense and he's got a guy like uh, Nick Sirianni who is going to uh, really give him the freedom to do what he wants to do, defensively speaking, with the talent Howie Roseman is going to surround him with, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. 
not a big fan of Lovey Smith, the head coach. Lovey Smith, the defensive coordinator. Uh, I'll party with that. I don't know if I'm going to be like my man D Gun and need tap dancing in the streets, even though I can do a hell of a time step, ladies. Uh, yeah, I don't think, um, I think that'd be a huge upgrade. And I think people here in Philadelphia would like getting that much of a, an experienced defensive coordinator as their, uh, as their guy calling the plays. I think that'd be a great thing. I'd welcome it with open arms. As for the former defense coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, Jonathan Gannon, you know, credit the TikTok. They captured this moment. The Arizona Cardinals captured the moment after Jonathan Gannon finalized his deal, and he was at the uh, trading complex there in Arizona. And uh, I, I don't know who says it, but somebody tells him his quarterback, Kyler Murray's in the weight room. I don't think them two guys had met yet. And uh, here is a beautiful meeting between those parties. He's in there? There we go. Let's go win, baby. The guy just got his dream job. <laughs> He's going to be hyped. But one thing I do like is, okay, he took the time. They, they told him he was here. They told him the deal was done. So now he can go meet his quarterback. He went and met his quarterback. That's a great thing. That's a nice thing, okay? Defensive guy going to make sure he met his quarterback. A guy that might not be quarterback for much longer. But he is the quarterback right now. Um, Gannon amped for it. I do like that they had to write in there, uh, jogs, a brisk jog. <laughs> like we, we see it. We don't need to read it. Anyway, uh, so there he is meeting his new quarterback, so good for him. Uh, as for the Eagles' clean-out day yesterday, some controversy arose with A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown was paraphrased by Martin Frank. Let me tell you this. I've I've met Martin Frank a number of times. Um, I've seen him interview. I've seen his interview style. I would just going to say this: I'm not the man's best friend. I don't feel like a, I don't feel a need to defend him. Like I said, I've met him a ca casually a couple times, and it's been years since I've been in the same room with him. The guy doesn't have a bad bone in his body. He's not looking for clickbait. Uh, AJ Brown tweeted something to that effect after he was misquoted. He paraphrased. I think it was an honest mistake. When I first heard the cut from A.J. Brown talking about how he had a feeling that they were going to lose when they went down 27 to 21. And at that point in the game, Jake Elliott had just kicked a field goal. They were held to the field goal late in the third quarter, a minute 45 to go. Instead of being able to score a touchdown, capping off a 17-play drive, they cap off that 17-play drive with a 33-yard field goal by Jake Elliott that made it 27 to 21. That's the moment, according to A.J. Brown, he said deep down he felt like they could lose the game. That's the moment. It was paraphrased, paraphrased by saying, I knew we would lose the game when we kicked that field goal. That's not good. That, that makes everybody else go, oh, he quit in the third quarter. That wasn't the case. I do believe it was an honest mistake by Martin Frank, a mistake nonetheless. And he did tweet out a video of the actual quote. And I give him credit for following up on doing that. Um, but A.J. Brown didn't say, I knew we were going to lose when we went down, when we took a 27 to 21 lead. 
The fact that deep down, he thought they were going to lose. That's still significant because that does not show a lot of confidence in what the defense was going to provide in that fourth quarter. And sure enough, the Eagles go up 27 to 21. Next thing you know, Kadarius Toney gets a five-yard touchdown pass. They go up 28 to 27. Sky Moore comes back three minutes later. He gets the 35 to 27 lead. And then Jalen Hurts obviously gets the touchdown and the two-point conversion to make a 35-35. And then Harrison Bucher, uh, Bucker uh, goes out there and kicks himself a game-winning field goal. So uh, his deep down feeling was right. And I think a lot of people watching the game at that point, after that nice long drive, thought, okay, they're at least they're going to get points out of this. Now defense needs to make a play. Defense had not made a play to that point, and defense turns out did not make a play for the entire game. Unfortunately, in that fourth quarter, I wholeheartedly believe that if the Eagles were able to even the turnover battle, they would have won the game. I felt like the offense, geez, you scored 35 points, your offense is doing just fine and dandy. Um, even if it is a 35 points by your offense and you allow. You give seven points to the defense, uh, as the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts' fumble. Even in that scenario, you feel like you should win that game. Um, defense steps up, makes one play, forces one turnover, even gets a big sack in the situation, flips the field maybe. You win that game. It was so damn close. It will, you know, it will eat at me for a long time. I was, um, after lunch yesterday, came back, had to hit the store, and a gentleman was really nice behind me. The guy had a big thing of flowers and a huge teddy bear <laughs> getting ready for Valentine's Day. And I said, don't you know about Steven Singer of Steven Singer? No. Um, and he just said, you know, how you feel about the game? And I, uh, I said, or how'd you feel about the game? I said, hey, I'll get over it. Uh, he said the same thing. He's, he's, he's starting to make his way through it. Um, the guy in front of me turned around. He's like, I feel I still feel terrible. <laughs> just everyone wanted to talk about this. We're all helping each other get over it. But uh the gentleman said that he was feeling better already. He says the fact that it was so close, and I think some people feel like this, the fact that it was so close, the fact that you're getting Jalen Hurts back next year, you have a lot of these guys back next year, you feel good about the direction you're headed as a football team. Um, I, I don't, I think I'm getting there gradually, but the thing that will continue to eat away at me is the fact that it was so close. And the fact that you have seen this defense make plays all season long. And this game was not an example of that. The Super Bowl was not an example of this defense coming to eat. And Hassan Reddick getting after the quarterback. Or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson getting in the backfield. Or getting an interception. Or the defense forcing any type of mistake. It just didn't happen. You face Patrick Mahomes. You face Andy Reid. You face Eric Bieniemy. Those kind of minds that are behind it all. It's going to be a tough task for any defense, but there is just no answers, especially in that second half, especially in that second half. Um, one guy that can just shut his trap is Juju Smith-Schuster. I, the guy is getting all the attention in the world now for just running his mouth. That's it. Just running his mouth. And I was listening to him, as I mentioned earlier, at the media night, opening night, and, you know, cheesesteaks in Philly are good, whatever the hell he said, and this is terrible, whatever. And then he goes into the game, and Juju Smith-Schuster comes up with a nice little game for himself, seven catches, 53 yards. Juju Smith-Schuster is, is, is not a wide receiver. It's not a quarterback-making wide receiver. A quarterback makes him. He ain't that good. 
he ain't that good to be flapping his trap as much as he has over the last couple of weeks. And he certainly isn't that good to be putting out things like this on social media, where he decided to have some fun on Valentine's Day and say, Happy Valentine's Day, everybody, and then put out a markup of a fake Valentine with a picture of James Bradbury where it reads, I'll hold you when it matters most. You're hilarious. Wow. Really kick a guy when he's down. Did James Bradbury hurt you in some way? That's a real personal thing over there. Kick a guy while he's down. The guy just lost a Super Bowl and you got to put out bull like that. A.J. Brown did come to his teammates' defense, though, and said, and I love this, A.J. Brown goes out and says, first off, congratulations, y'all deserve it. Part two. This is lame. You was on the way out of the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one-year deal, TikTok boy. He admitted that he grabbed you, but don't act like you're like, uh, like that or ever was. But congratulations again. <laughs> That is this. Hold on. Let me make sure I said this. This right here. This is it. This is it. That's the best response. Love it from AJ Brown. By the way, great. You're great. Congratulations. But you suck. You individually suck. You're terrible. Mahomes saved your ass. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> that is the perfect response right there from a team leader like AJ Brown. You love to see it. You love to see it. Um, before we get to our man, uh, we're going to, like I said, run Quentin Michael, uh, at the, uh, the end of the program. Uh, I do want to mention this because there's some Sixers implications here in case you guys didn't see it last night, there was a battle. The Milwaukee Bucks beat the Boston Celtics in overtime. Giannis Antetokounmpo missed a layup with like 20 seconds left in the game that would have essentially iced the game. For the Bucs. Celtics ended up coming back, tying the game up, forcing overtime, and the Bucks rode a career eight three-point night from Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday hit eight three-pointers in this game to beat the Celtics 120, excuse me, 131 to 125. Milwaukee improves to 40 and 17. Boston is now 41 and 17 on the season. So they still have that edge. Uh, right there, but uh, one hell of a night from Drew Holiday. He comes up with a 40-point night in total, hitting eight threes in the process. Now, meanwhile, the 76ers, let me just check something real quick on that game. Yeah, he was eight for 12 from beyond the arc for a 40-point night. Uh, Giannis dropped 36 in the ballgame last night. Uh, as for your 10-9-8 76ers, uh, they're going to be back in action uh, tonight in, uh, excuse me, they're, they're home against the Cavaliers tonight, 7.30. You know who's in Cleveland already? That uh, that spider fella, that Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, he's in Philly already. He was at the Villanova game last night. Uh, but a 7.30 tip-off tonight, Sixers-Cavaliers. Look forward to that one. The Sixers are a minus two-and-a-half favorite going into the game tonight. Sixers coming at 37-19. and 19. Cavaliers one win better than them and a handful of losses worse. 38-22. Uh, and 22 on the season. So Sixers are going to have to uh, hopefully dominate in that game. Well, I don't, I don't even go for dominate. I'll just go for win. Can we win? Just win. Can we the Sixers win? That'd be nice to see them win. Let's win. Um, so that was in your Sixers news last night. 
Uh, let me tell you right now about the great people at Steven Singer of Steven Singer Jewelers. Busy day yesterday. They're busy every day. Doesn't have to be Valentine's Day to show that special someone in your life just how much you love them. So stop by the other corner of 8th and Walnut and make sure you take advantage of the perfect price each and every day at Steven Singer Jewelers. Now, what's the perfect price? Well, other jewelers like to mark things way up just to mark it down a couple of bucks in front of you and make you feel like you won something. Steven Singer Jewelers always keeps things at that perfect price. So you don't walk in there feeling like you have to negotiate or have the pressure on you of all the things that come with buying a, a diamond. At Steven Singer Jewelers, you can relax, you sit back, you feel like you're part of the family at the other corner of Ethan Walnut. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price, the perfect price, online at IHateStevenSinger.com. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Let me tell you about the amazing people at Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code Farzy at Manscaped.com. The leader in below-the-waist grooming. Maybe you needed it for Valentine's Day. Maybe you need it now. Join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with skin-safe technology that helps reduce the risk of nicks. With skin-safe technology, you'll enjoy their Platinum Package 4.0, which is their best hygiene bundle yet. It includes the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. And yes, once again, they come with skin-safe technology. So go to Manscaped.com, use promo code FARZY for 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. How about Freestone Farm CBD? Freestone Farm CBD? FreestoneFarmCBD.com. If you like CBD, if you use CBD, if you want to try CBD or switch up your CBD, Freestone Farm CBD is where it's at. You'll enjoy the tropical tasting Bayox that clocks in at a chart topping 24.1% and Super CBD, which is half Hindu, Kush, and 21%. Genetics of these guys are off the charts. So, ladies and gentlemen, treat yourself to Freestone Farm CBD, FreestoneFarmCBD.com. How about PHL Sports Nation, Philadelphia Sports Nation, enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience across all social media and blogs. That's phlsportsnation.com. Uh, before we get to Quinn Michael, let's get to our chat check today. See how you beautiful people are doing on this fine, fine morning. Uh, Kevin, good morning. April, hello. Fuji, what's going on? <laughs> Mally, I see Mark is still depressed. Got a t-shirt on under the button-up. So here's what happened. Uh, it's worth explaining because I know you guys are used to heavy cleavage on this show. I'm sorry. I know I'm a sex symbol, but heavy cleavage on this show. So um, what ha happened was when I, I went out with the fellas yesterday, mm -hmm. and uh, as I moved my phone, and uh, I go out with the fellas, and I had to pick up little toots. I had to get the wife uh, in Center City as well. And uh, by the time I made it home, thanks to an incredible amount of traffic, I um, did not have time to just, I wore this out basically. So I just kept the same, I kept the same outfit on when I interviewed Quentin Michael. And I'm like, you know what? Continuity people, continuity. And here I am. Uh, Fuji saying hi to everybody. Mally, it's nice to see you. TikTok boy. Yeah, I do. That is a very, if we go back to that, the AJ Brown quote, that is just an awesome dig. TikTok boy. Because, like, if you say TikTok boy, are you like, are you talking about Juju Smith-Schuster or are you talking about Patrick Mahomes' brother? Who can stop? I know America has already had this conversation with him, but you can stop. You can stop. Um, as far as the show, thank you. The roster will be looking very different. Oh, yep, PJ's pointing it out. Um, Fuji, if Brian Johnson is named offense coordinator, do you believe Nick will trust him with Jalen calling the plays? 
Johnson is rumored to be wanted for a few teams as offense coordinator. He is. I know Nick said that he's going to have to feel that out to see who his play caller would be, if it would be him or Brian Johnson or anyone else he would bring in. I would assume, I would assume that whoever he's going to have as his offense coordinator, he would want them to be the play caller. Uh, I don't think anybody – now, maybe now two years as a head coach, now maybe he feels more comfortable with having that responsibility. Maybe. But I would assume that he's found something that works. Him not doing it works. Again, maybe it's different now. Now that he's two years as a head coach, maybe he feels like he can have that responsibility. It was about a year and a half of him not calling plays because he did it about halfway point of last year. I think it was the Giants game he stopped doing, the first Giants game of the season uh, a year ago. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He stopped calling the plays and Shane Stegen took over the responsibilities. He made it more public when he addressed it before the season, saying that he, was, he wasn't going to be doing the play calling. He was just going to be doing the game planning. Shane Stegen was going to do the game plan or, or the, the play calling. So I would assume he'd want to keep it in that same uniform manner of making sure that he has somebody else calling the plays while he is coaching the team as a head coach. I'd assume he wants to keep it in that same realm. Um, but I don't know. If Brian Johnson did take over the responsibilities as a offensive coordinator, I would assume he's doing that with the same idea that he'll call the plays, that Brian Johnson would call the plays. Um, when he said he would have to evaluate it the other day, I think what he was hinting at was his own situation, not who necessarily he would hire. Because you're hiring a guy to be as close to the guy in front of you that you had, especially when we've already had that much success. Um, so my guess would be he'd want the other person to call plays, whoever gets hired. Uh, Brian Johnson's name, offensive coordinator. Do you believe the Fuji? Hello again, Mihai. What's up, Mihai? Long off season. I'm looking to next year's Super Bowl. Uh, I watch a rematch. Oh, I want a rematch so bad. Thankfully, the window is only opening up. Did you see? Who was it? Uh, it was Hassan Reddick in his locker yesterday was talking about how he's already getting over it. He's already looking forward. He knows with this team, they're going to be back next year. That's a that's a huge vote of confidence from that man. I loved hearing that. That made me feel a lot better. That made me feel a lot better. Um, Antonio Bra Brown made Juju in Pittsburgh. Fuji, you're absolutely right. Cal, what's up, Cal? <laughs> Cal, yeah, he a passenger. You're damn right he's a passenger. He ain't the stud, that's for sure. 
April, what's up, April? Good morning. Defense looked lost in the second half. Absolutely did. Uh, Cal Bundy, every play was a slip. It wasn't good. Is is it Little Toots time? No, not yet. What I did was <laughs> we have the baby get- gates at the top of the steps and the bottom of the steps for, for Leo, right? Who's one. And um, I was like, maybe if I close these, she'll find her way down. She still found her way down. Um, but not today. Not today somehow. Maybe mom. Maybe mommy woke up. Maybe mommy woke up. Uh, so glad Gannon is gone, though. Sean Gillespie, what's up, buddy? AB basically gave Juju a career. Facts only. Facts only. Let me make sure I didn't miss anybody. I don't think I did. Uh, thanks, everybody, in the chat. You guys are great as per usual. You guys did a great job. Um, one thing before we get to our man, Quentin Michael. The Flyers made a change or addition, if you want to call it, to their front office. They have a new CEO. Um, the Flyers announced yesterday, this is from Frank Saravalli of um, CSN. Uh, Flyers announced Dan Hilferty has been hired as CEO of parent company Comcast Spectacore. The team says he will partner, quote-unquote, with Dave Scott, who will remain as chairman. In a release, Hilferty uh, calls himself a tenacious Flyers fan. He led Philly's successful bid, and this is what most people know by now. He led the bid to the uh, 20, uh, 26 uh, World Cup host, to be uh, Philadelphia to be one of the host cities of the 2026 World Cup. Guys, I, I, I know we don't talk about them a lot, and they're having another rough year, of course, but I love the Flyers. Absolutely love that team. I'm, I'm a LeClaire, Lindros era, Eric Desjardins era. Like, that was my childhood. That was me and my buddies all getting together on game nights and watching games and all that stuff. We're calling each other to talk about what LeClaire just did and whatever. Uh, did you see that goal? Three guys were trying to kill him and he still scored. You know, that type of thing. What they have become is just, they're a rudderless ship. And I love that team. But right now, I mean, I told you, I, the guarantee that I gave you guys before the season was that with John Tortorella being hired, you were going to be able to look on that bench and know as a Flyers fan that somebody was as frustrated as you were. And that's what John Tortorella, I feel like, has given us as a fan base. We know that it's not on deaf ears. We know somebody's paying attention to the struggles of this team. And it's not falling on deaf ears. Now we just need that from the front. We don't feel that with Chuck Fletcher. We don't, we don't, we don't have that right now, really anywhere in the organization. I'd like to see that start somewhere other than just on the bench with your bench boss in John Tortorella. And also I'd like to see wins. Let's see playoff potential. I'd love to see this team in a spot where you feel like you could talk about them as a Stanley cup contender again, because it's been a long time. And I know we had complaints uh, towards Ed Snyder's, the end of Ed Snyder's time really running things in the Flyers organization. But, man, Ed Snyder gave a damn. And what I always talk about on the bench with John Tortorella, you had in that front office with Ed Snyder. You knew somebody was up there that was really pissed off just like you were pissed off. I remember when the uh, Flyers came back from the lockout, and they were god-awful. I remember Ed Snyder. The story was Ed Snyder basically called down to their company, to Comcast Sportsnet, and was like, tell Michael Barkin to get up here and interview me. I want to show everyone I'm pissed off. I'm not saying that's how it went down. I'm just saying that's how it was perceived by a lot of people. 
But I missed some of that. Like, let me know you're pissed. Let me know this isn't good enough. And I'm hoping, hopefully, this is the start of knowing it's not good enough. Uh, so there's the Flyers and their new uh, CEO of Comcast, Spectacore. Uh, right now, let's uh, jump on the Rothman Orthopedics guest line. This man breaks it down phenomenally well. Without further ado, uh, let's jump on the Rothman Orthopedics guest line. Talk to our friend Quit Michael of Inside the Birds podcast. This will also mark the end of the show. So thanks for watching. Jim Hyden did a great job. This is a Buzz Sports and Entertainment production. Here's Q, ladies and gentlemen. The Rothman Orthopedics guest line, one of our favorites from Q&A and obviously former Eagle safety as well. The Q of the Q&A, Quentin Michael. What's going on there, Quentin? What's going on? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on the show. I, ab- absolutely. My foremost authority on defense. Uh, so much to get to in that regard. But I just, just for the people, help the young dads out there. Um, you just went through a long car ride, about 14 hours with the family. You went to the game, you went to the Super Bowl, and then you guys trekked it back to Idaho? Yep, 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 back to Boise right after the game. Well, in the morning, so we, we left pretty early. And uh, it was supposed to be a 14-hour drive, but it t- you know it turned out to like 16 for all the stops and the bathroom breaks. <laughs> and I'm out, three kids? Three kids? Four, four. Oh, four, my God. Four, two girls. <laughs> Holy pots and pans. You're a better man than I. You're a better And what's your go- what, what are you listening to? When everyone else is watching the movies and all that stuff, what's Quentin Michael's go-to to pass the time on a long car trip? Yeah, I keep I keep my um, my AirPods in, and uh, I was listening to a lot of comedy shows, you know, prank calls, stuff like that. And then I'll do every now and then I'll switch it to some sports talk, or I'll, I'll listen to um, some hip hop, anything to keep me from you know focusing on you know everything else that's going on outside of my, outside of my car seat, my driver's seat. So yeah, yeah. Some people like to frown upon the earbuds in that situation, but it, it's less distracting if you have them in as opposed to everything else that's going on. The show within a show. Exactly. I, keep it, I keep it low enough so that I can still hear and like, you know, I can I can still, you know, see all the drivers and listen to the drivers if anyone's honking their horn and stuff, but enough to where I can hear it and kind of phase out of that that, yeah. uh, that zone. So good man. <laughs> good man. You know what? Head on a swivel, as always, as always. Uh, so obviously it didn't end the way we wanted it to. Super Bowl 57, Quentin Michael. Uh, what the heck happened in that second half? Exactly. Was it? Really a matter of chess versus checkers when it came to Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and Jonathan Gannon, or was it the field? What the hell happened in that second half? Yeah, man, it was. A, I think it was a combination of all of that. But honestly, the the main the main thing was, um, you know, Andy Reid. Man, he he came out. Um, this coaching staff, this Chiefs coaching staff, has a lot of years of experience behind them, a lot of championships, a lot of winning behind them. They didn't panic. They knew what they had to do. They went in at halftime, and honestly, they just came out and out coached this the the Eagles coaching staff the second half. And also, didn't help, you know, um, some of the mistakes by especially the defensive secondary. Some of the mistakes were just kind of, um, you know, you just kind of beat yourself. And so that's the that's the most frustrating thing. It wasn't, you know, it was it was part of it was coaching, but part of it was also, um, you know, especially the back the secondary kind of beating themselves and making mistakes that helped the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. What, what, yeah. what, what, when it, when it came, I gotta, I gotta jump to it. When it came to the motion, when it came to Darius Slay pointing emphatically to shift positions and have that defensive shift there in the secondary, and then a walk-in touchdown, whether it's Kadarius Tony, whether it was Sky Moore, whoever it was, it was just seemed, it seemed like a constant thing they were able to do in that game to catch this defense off balance. Is that coaching? Is that poor communication? 
a, a little bit of everything. What happened on those plays in particular that looked like the Eagles' defense was lost? Well, the 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 long story is, um, I me personally, I think it's something that started earlier in the season and really started last year. Um, and I think it's, it goes back to, you know, Gannon's refusal to really put the secondary in those type of positions. And, it, you know, when you get to the marquee game, the Super Bowl, and you're asked um, asked the secondary to come up, to, you know, to come up with a play in a defense that they don't play a whole lot in the red zone. That's just, this is what happens. This is why you take those advantages. You take those chances during the season because now it's, it's like extra practice in the game like situation. So essentially what happened was, um, on the second one, everyone thinks, or the first one, everyone thinks that it was a zero blitz. It really wasn't a zero blitz. It was just man. Um, it may have been a blitz, but it wasn't a zero blitz. Um, you can see um, Maddox kind of pointing, and you can see uh, Slay kind of pointing across because they're expecting Tony to run a jet sweep, which he's done a lot. And if you go back to the Jaguars game, I think um, the Jaguars kind of did some of the same similar stuff. And <clears throat> they're expecting Tony to go across. So they're already kind of in their rotation. And the, the, the sad part is the crazy part is both guys were open. Um, Tony was wide open. And so was, um, so was Kelsey. So everyone was expecting that jet sweep and they were going to, you know, kind of rotate it to the other side. And that's not what happened. And this, the, the saddest part is if Maddox would have just simply just stayed where he was at and then just pressed and then take whoever was there. Cause you're not going to help on a jet sweep. Anyway, you're not going to help on anything on the other side of the field. Just let the, let the play play out and just stay where you're at. And the ball would have came right to him. So it's unfortunate. It's one of those things where I think if you had been practicing that all season, if you'd been expecting that all season, they would have locked that down easily. But you know, we, we never called those kind of coverages up into that game. And so, yeah, it's, so, it's frustrating. So, why would Jonathan Gannon call those plays? Simply because he thought that was something the defense needed to do against this offense, almost like making an adjustment going into the game. Um, that's a good question. I, you know, I do know it was talked about on game day about um, you know, Vic Fangio coming in, which I don't think he's had a whole lot of success against Andy. Um, in those in those situations, I mean, you have to be able to play man. I wouldn't play. I personally wouldn't play man in the red zone just because of that. There's a lot of pick routes and crossing routes and stuff, and it's tough. Um, but I, I personally think that th these were situations where they had to get some pressure on uh -huh. on, on um, Mahomes, and they had to get some tight coverage. And so it's just a it's just a kind of a, a hurricane, like a big mixture of a lot of bad stuff happening on perfect one storm. Perfect yeah, storm. Perfect okay. storm. Okay. The, the reason the reason I asked that question, Quentin, is because. For the life of me, then, I couldn't figure out, and I can't figure out then from what you're telling me, why Jonathan Gannon would, I hate to use, be creative enough to make that adjustment going into this game, but not creative enough to make an in-game adjustment when he realized his front four or five could not make it home in blitzes, in, in, in pass rush, whatever. There was no adjustment made, it seemed like, from him to try to get after Patrick Mahomes and either force him into a mistake or actually, I don't know, somehow get a sack in this game. Well, the, the tough part, too, is the first half, they didn't really – the Chiefs weren't on the field a whole lot. So there mm -hmm. weren't a lot of opportunities to really tell if they were getting pressure, if they were going to be able to get there. And when you rely on this this front, which has been getting home all season, and, um, you know, you get to the second half and then the adjustments are made, um, it's kind of it's kind of too late. And so, really, it just came down to those two plays. That was the only two plays where um, – 
were really it really affected in terms of the new the new calls and the new you know the man and stuff mm -hmm. and so you're talking about two plays and you're talking about a defensive front that's been getting home all all season in the second half so like i said it just was like a lot of bad timing and um if it's some like i said it's if it's something you've never really practiced or never really done a whole lot of in game type game like situations it's kind of tough to ask um it's kind of tough to really prepare for that. Um, and so, like I said, I, I think they were prepared. I think they were expecting Tony to run a jet sweep and were really caught off guard. Because if you look on that on that touchdown when Tony scored, Maddox and um, and Slay were both pointing, and they were both of them were inside of of Kelsey in terms of the snap. So they, you know, they were just expecting something different, and you know, it's just it's just frustrating. What <laughs> so. was it? Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to put this for the, in terms of the every man. Just it, was it like they tried to do too much? Where they changed their own identity a little too much because of who the opponent was, or should they have stayed more of what they had done all season long? I think so. I think I think that they for I don't know over it's, over it's overthought it. Overthought I think they it? overthought it. I think they overthought it in those situations. They were getting the Chiefs were the momentum was shifting. Um, they had just had, uh, I think it was the, right after the long return by Tony, right? Or was that the second one? I think it was the second one. Okay. Um, and so I think they overcoached it. They overthought it. I think they had figured, um, you know, they, they probably figured that they knew what the Chiefs were planning to do. And, you know, I, it's tough, man. I, it's, it's tough. Like Andy Reid is a good play caller. We talked about it on, on, um, on Q and A, that if if the if it came down to a tight game, if it came down to it, then the the hand will go to um, the tip of the hat will go to the Chiefs because of the experience. And I just I don't know. I just they just got out coached. It's tough, man. They got out coached and they got played on two or three plays. Really, when you think about it, and and that cost the game. Mm -hmm. Certainly, no, I 100 percent agree. The other part of this now is that. It's amazing how this works in the, in the NFL. The guy who coached that defense that did get out coached, granted by a great head coach and a great offensive coordinator and all that. So it wasn't like he was going up against sliced bread and it was terrible, you know? Mm -hmm. You have a guy in Jonathan Gannon that now gets hired in that same stadium to take over the coaching reins of that same team. What What are your thoughts on Jonathan Gannon now as a head coach? Uh, he's got his work cut out for him, first of all. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's hard for me when when you're a head coach because there's so many different factors that come into play. Um, I think if he, I think he'll be a better head coach than than a defensive coordinator. I'll put it that way. I think as a defensive coordinator, he played too soft. Um, I think he played too worried about making mistakes. I think he did not. He, you know, when you have this this many great players on this defense, he should have taken more chances um, throughout the season and had these guys ready to go for the big game. And so. That being said, I think he's going to be a, a good head coach. He seems like a very good, very smart, intelligent guy. I think he can motivate guys. I think guys will follow him. I think that's the most important thing, being a good leader. I think he'll be a good head coach. It's all It all is going to come down to who he hires as coordinators and if he can get Kyler Murray on the same page with him. So I think he'll be fine. Um, I think he's got his work cut out for him, though. Mm -hmm. I, I would I would agree with that. Um when it comes to this defense and who's going to be sticking around, I mean, Fletcher Cox looks like he could be on his way out while a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, good old C.D. Deuce himself, looks like he could be sticking around for a lot more years. 
as a fellow safety, this is a guy that was playing the nickel position, hadn't played safety since college, came in, and all of a sudden had more interceptions than he was tied for the league in interceptions. So what do you make of him, and do you, if you're Howie Roseman, bring him back? I would absolutely bring him back. Um, man, he was rocking people out there, and I was, you know, in the stands, I was like, okay, you know, because that was the one thing. You know, he has the athletic ability. He can cover um, he can blitz. He can do a lot of things. But the physicality of, of you know, coming up and making hits was what he was kind of lacking. And seeing his growth over the season, I think he's absolutely poised to be a star. And, you know, he's still young. He's still in his prime. I would absolutely bring him back and start to build the secondary around him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and on another note on that, this is the, something that's that um, I've been kind of seeing with a lot of the comments and not to be not to sound negative, but you know, a lot of, of what players are saying, um, you know, didn't happen this year. And, and you get that feel like it's almost like you get this feeling like, oh, we'll be back next year. And as you know, when we went to the Super Bowl in 2004, we all felt that same way. And it took us, you know, it took this team years and years and years to rebuild to that point. And so that's the unfortunate thing about this is that it's not easy to get to this game. Even this year, as good as the team was, it wasn't easy to get get to the big game. And so it, it's that's why it's even more heartbreaking because I know that it's going to be even more difficult next year to get back to this game. It's going to be harder every every year. Teams are different, like you're saying. Fletcher Cox might be gone. You know, this guy might be gone. That guy might be gone. Um, and so it's it's going to be a tough road. And um, you know, I just hope that everyone understands that this team was really good, but this was only for this year. So next year is going to be a completely different team. Mm-hmm. I, look, it's, it's as you know, it's a passing league, and it's all about the quarterbacks and all that. Jalen Hurts is the guy that gives me confidence. You know, it's funny. Two guys that give me the most confidence, Jalen Hurts is one of them. The other is Howie Roseman, even more so than Nick Sirianni, because Howie Roseman has this magical way of, like, making the playoffs and then getting a the top-ten pick. Like, he still <laughs> has to – like, it's, I never thought I'd say this. never think I'd give him this much credit, but, damn, I give him a lot of credit for it. Um, I do want to ask you real quick um, – would you have so? Would you have gone the route of blitzing more in the second half of that Super Bowl? Just back to Jonathan Gannon, the scheme, the philosophy. Would you have blitzed more than in the second half in the fourth quarter? Maybe what would you have done differently in that in that second half? I, me, me personally, as a as a, a former a former safety, and you know I've, I've coached a little bit. I I personally don't like to blitz. I don't care about blitzing. I don't like to play man in the red zone. There are certain situations where you have to do it. I'm not a huge fan of playing red, um, playing man in the red zone. And that's, that's the reason why is that there's so much stuff that can happen. Um, outside of that, um, it's not like, I don't think, I don't think that the um, defense as a whole played too bad. I just think in certain spots, the secondary, especially the linebackers um, in the middle of the field played with really bad eye discipline, meaning they drop and they're dropping back into their zones and there's guys, you know, there's Kelsey, running right behind you going to the other side of the field and you got you've got to understand what they're trying to do in certain situations and so I don't I don't necessarily dislike the game plan besides the the, the man in, in red zone but I do dislike the eye discipline I do dislike the um the way the the middle of the field was defended you cannot drop back into the middle of the field as a linebacker or a nickel and keep your eyes strictly on Mahomes as you've seen, like he can throw from any any arm angle. If you if you're looking at him, you're 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 done. And that's what I saw a lot. I saw guys just letting receivers go scot free, tight ends go scot free, and they're dropping back and their eyes are on Mahomes. 
Meanwhile, there's guys climbing and getting in open areas. So that was the frustrating part for me. Understood. Um, when it comes to that penalty at the end of the game <laughs> on uh, James Bradbury, my stance on it has been, look, there was other things the Eagles needed to take care of in that game. The least of my worries was the officiating in, in that game, unfortunately. But uh, I thought it was a legit call. I questioned the time of the call. Do you make that call at that time in the game? What was your take on it? Um, it there's no question it was holding. Um, I don't I don't think it was enough to impede the play. I don't think it was a catchable ball. Um, so I don't I wouldn't have made that call. I don't think that was the right call at that situation. It was frustrating. It was the right call, but I don't think it should have been made. Um, especially when for four quarters I saw Reddick just getting held left and right. I mean, he was he it was it was ridiculous. He was getting held all the time. And um, and that wasn't just him. It was everyone on the defensive front was getting held. And so, you know, but you don't want to cry and say that, you know, this and that. Um, but I, I, I don't think I would have made that call. I don't all think right. it was the right call. All right. And then, and lastly, I, I had to double check this because I was pretty sure you never played at the vet. And then I went back and I'm like, you lucky SOB. You missed it by <laughs> one year. One year. You were drafted in the year the Eagles started at the link. So I have to ask you this, knowing that it's not the link, what's the worst field you ever played on? Oh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this by saying it has to be in the pros. <laughs> you yeah, can't say I, yeah. some high school team, some, some college, whatever, some you know, field you played on, just some professional okay. stadium. What's the worst you ever played on? I hate – what was the um, – was it the Coliseum where the Raiders used to play? Oh, the Oakland County Coliseum, yeah. yeah. That one, that was a, a terrible – that was terrible with the, with the sand in the middle of the field. That one was horrible. I hated yeah. Candlestick Park. Candlestick was terrible. Oh, my God. Their, the surface was atrocious. Um, wow. Those, those two are probably the, the the worst stadiums I ever played in. Okay. When you saw everyone slipping and sliding around, I would have to think, and tell me if I'm wrong, a pass rush would be more affected because of a bad field than pretty much almost anywhere else. Maybe running backs, and you saw them slipping around too, but I felt like the Eagles in their front four or five were – unfortunately really taken off their game because of that field. Yeah. You know, what's really frustrating when I hear people say everyone played on the same field and that's, that's simply it. it they do play on the same field um, before halftime. I'd never seen this before. It was a crew about 15, 20 guys picking up all the divots and putting them in buckets and taking them off the field. Like that's how bad it was at halftime. Um, and so back to my original point, I, I feel like, yes, everyone's playing on the same surface. But defenders are at a disadvantage. Like it's it's not even right. And this goes for the Chiefs defense as well. You as a defender, you don't know where the play's going. Everything that you're doing, everything you're running and breaking is all off reaction. The offense, they know where they're going. They can prepare themselves to stop and the cut and the move. And so I think it's a complete disadvantage for all defensive players on a field like that. And it was just it, for an NFL game, for as much as they spent on that with eight hundred thousand dollars on that field that was uh embarrassment in my opinion i think that you know that should never ever happen again hopefully that never happens again that surface was ridiculous i've never seen anything like that last thing for you quinn michael of q a former eagle safety how confident are you that this eagle team with jalen hurts nick sirianni howie roseman and many others how confident are you that this team will be back in a super bowl next year um like i said before it's it's not easy it's gonna be tough um, and it also depends on who they bring in as a defensive coordinator. It looks like 
Um, Sirianni is going to take over play calling maybe with Brian Johnson, who I, I have a lot of confidence in. I think he's a tremendous coach, tremendous young coach. I think he's going to do a great job. Um, so I think the offense will be fine. Um, I, you know, I'd like to see a more seasoned defensive coordinator coming in, maybe Lovey Smith or someone like that. Like if they bring in Lovey Smith, that'd be amazing. Um, and so if, if all the pieces come in um, and I, and most of this team, this nucleus comes back. I think that they can challenge for you know another spot next year. Uh, can we can we make any headlines? Can we make any news right now? Quentin Michael, have you received a call to be the Eagles defensive coordinator? <laughs> can you confirm or deny a report? I'm just throwing out. I'm just making it up. But in today's world, that's called reporting. <laughs> that would be have amazing. You, have, but... <laughs> have you gotten a call? Have you gotten a text? Have you been in touch with anyone? You answer the question. I don't want that life, man. Those guys, they sleep in the they sleep in their offices. It's it's a rough life to be a coach, man. I'm not prepared for that right now. I, Four kids. Ooh, that's a lot more. That's a lot more travel. That's it's no thanks, man. No yeah. bueno. No bueno. Quinn Michael, what's the next QA I can listen to? Um, looks like we're gonna be recording on Thursday night. Um, we had to take a little bit of a break from the Super Bowl hangover and you know, driving back. And so we're going to record, I think, Thursday night, and I think we should drop that on Friday morning. So look for that coming up, man. I'm sure it'll be great. Jason's all, always awesome. He's always got some great takes, so it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, you, you the, the bothies, the bothies <laughs> with your great takes. Of course, it's all part of the Inside the Birds empire, as we like to refer to it. Quinn Michael, always great catching up with you. At the, at the time that we tape this, it's Valentine's Day. So thanks for taking some time out of your busy night as well, my friend. Thank you. All right, no doubt. Thanks, man. Quentin Michael joining us from Q&A Podcast. So you, could guys, you guys make sure you download and listen to that wherever you get your podcast. Thank, uh, thanks, Q. All right. Thank you.